Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the State of Dallas podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. We're coming at you on the bye week for SMU after a 34-16 win over Charlotte to send the Mustangs to 3-2 and overall, entering the bye week. Up next for SMU is a game on the road October 12th against East Carolina. The Mustangs will head to Greenville, where they will face a East Carolina team that sits at 1-4 and overall this season, um, and they'll play that game at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, so a big opportunity for SMU there to make some waves uh, going into the back part of their schedule, um, seven games remaining for SMU. And look, as you sit here going into the bye week, we're going to lead off with talking about the game. But first, uh, just want to say appreciate you guys checking in on the Dave Campbell's Network, the Republic of Football Podcast Network, uh, where you could find podcasts on every college football team in the state of Texas. Um, so appreciate you guys uh, following all of us that are part of this network. So uh, look, I think this is a uh, game that SMU played against Charlotte where the worry was going in, how would they respond to an emotional loss to TCU where the Mustangs had so much go wrong in that one. And I think while there were moments where they can kind of were were able to say, hey, that was good. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't a blowout loss, but it was a loss that I felt like outside of the first two drives, TCU kind of controlled the entire tempo of that game when it ultimately came down to it. Um, But for SMU, they finish on a weird night where uh, they didn't run nearly as many plays as they normally do. Uh, They finish running 61 total plays, average six yards per play that finishes 363 total yards. And quite honestly, it was not only a weird game from the yardage and total plays perspective, but from officiating. I mean, these American Athletic Conference refs are just not the cream of the crop. They never have been since the league started. It seems like there's something every week with these guys. Um, And for SMU, for Charlotte, for whoever, they just managed to to find ways to uh, get under any any coach's skin overall. And SMU had a touchdown call back where it was lining downfield and you're kind of looking at it and saying, well, that might have been a gray area where it never gets called and didn't have an impact on the play when Keyshawn Smith was able to uh, catch that back shoulder and uh, turn it upfield. But nonetheless, um, SMU was able to continue to show why the run game is starting to be what I would say the calling card of this offense as we enter the bye week watching this team because you know, last week against TCU, or two weeks ago now against TCU, Kamar Wheaton emerged with his first start to get, really carry the load. Jalen Knighton did some good things. Tyler Levine did some good things. Um, but they fell behind, and eventually they had to throw the ball. If they were able to capitalize on things early in the game with touchdowns, maybe they're running the football deeper into the game, and and maybe that game ends up differently. But it didn't. Ten, uh, against Charlotte on Saturday night, they were able to control – the pace of play, um, without a doubt. Um, they scored. They went right down the field on the opening drive and went uh, 10 plays, 82 yards, in three minutes and 15 seconds. A muff punt gave SMU a 15-yard touchdown drive on the next drive. 
at one point SMU got up 27 to three. So there's not too much to kind of look at here from a competitive standpoint and say, wow, that was a key turning point in the game. SMU was kind of hanging or letting them hang around and then they blew it open. This was a steady domination for SMU. They scored on three of the five drives in the first half. Uh, the last drive of the first half, Preston Stone and RJ Maryland had a miscommunication. Uh, Preston Stone thought he was going to keep running down the field. He let it go, and right at that same time, RJ Maryland shut his route down and uh, kind of came back for a curl. So Preston Stone throws an interception, um, and and that drive had some potential. Uh, SMU took over um, uh, at uh, the I'm trying to figure out where. Um, ended at the uh, SMU 44. So they really had an opportunity there to maybe get some points on the board. Um, I know against Oklahoma and TCU, we'd kind of seen SMU play super conservative going into the half um, where they weren't, you know, overly aggressive. Uh, but with 210 on the clock and getting the ball at their own 44-yard line, SMU is going to go for it a little bit. And they did. Um, and they end up throwing the interception, uh, which came two plays after uh, Keyshawn Smith, his touchdown, uh, I think it was would have been a 40-something yard, a 50-something yard touchdown reception that was called back um, with that penalty. So kind of a big change for that particular drive in terms of the results. As, SMU, when it has come to penalties, it seems like there have been moments throughout this season where penalties have kind of killed them here and there. Um, where where or turnovers, you know, critical turnovers. So, but it didn't happen against Charlotte. This is a Charlotte team that ended up playing two quarterbacks. They played Jalen Jones uh, and they played uh, uh, Trexler Ivy as well. He came in in the second half, finished ten of seventeen for 170 yards, touchdown and an interception. Uh, Charlotte 331 total yards. Uh, SMU was really able to do a good job of, for the most part, shutting down their run game. Uh, SMU, they let up, I believe it was a 52-yard run to Jalen Jones on a quarterback keeper. You take that out of their rush yardage total, 110 yards overall on the ground. Um, uh, Charlotte's average yards per rush was 4.6 when you take out the sacks. Again, if you take out that one uh, rush attempt um, for uh, Charlotte, uh, it it amounts to about three yards a carry. So the run defense was pretty solid overall. I think for SMU, they had some opportunities to really, you know, make this score. One, SMU didn't cover. Uh, they won by 18. Uh, so there is that aspect of it. Uh, the line was 23 and a half. I mean, that's a big number. But I going in, I felt like Charlotte was bad enough where SMU could do it. And if you look back on the game, they certainly could have. But the defense allowing two, uh, two touchdown drives by Charlotte in the second half, one a touchdown that ate up pretty much the entire uh, an entire half a quarter uh, or a, a half of the third quarter, I should say, uh, to get it to uh, I think it was uh, it would have been twenty seven, um, uh, would have been twenty seven to nine, and then they got the ball back uh, after. SMU um, SMU punted and uh, then went down the field and scored again, another long drive. So the game kind of moved along a little quicker than you might think. There were still a lot of penalties. There were still a lot of things that kind of need to be reviewed here and there. So um, 
but the the flow of the game was really choppy. We talked to the players afterwards, and they kind of felt the same. There were times where, you know, you see uh, the defense get off the field, and then SMU scores a, on a 15-yard touchdown drive. They're right back out there. You open the third quarter. You get a uh, stop, and uh, that was nice to see by SMU. They were able to uh, hold them. They uh, forced a uh, uh, a punt. They went three and out. Um, and then you look back and they pin SMU deep. Roger Daniels Jr. kind of a gaff, kind of caught the ball in a weird position, probably should have let it go into the end zone. And instead, Jalen Knighton goes 95 yards for the touchdown on the first play of the third quarter for SMU's offense. And that kind of helped break things open uh, there in this one. So um, overall for SMU, it was kind of a weird game. They had some penalties. They had some holds. They played a lot of different guys uh, in this one as well, uh, which I think is worth uh, noting. Uh, they didn't have just kind of running down some injuries for you guys. They didn't have Justin Osborne, the starting right guard. They didn't have um, Kamar Wheaton, who tweaked the hamstring in warmups. Uh, they did not have LJ Johnson again, uh, and they did not have uh, Brandon Crosley. Uh, they didn't have a, a couple other players. And Marcus Bryant was even on a little bit of a pitch count, uh, rotating with Hyron White and P.J. Williams. P.J. Williams would kind of spell those guys here and there throughout the game at left and right tackle. Uh, they played Cam Irving, Summit Guard. They played Ben Sparks, uh, who got um, – uh, he didn't get the start. Logan Parr did, but uh, – or Ben Sparks did get the start. Logan Parr also saw some time. It was just um, – you know, one of those games that I I think kind of looking back on it, SMU maybe trying to just get out of the bye week. You know, again, they had that emotional letdown of losing to TCU and you have to bounce back. And I think Preston Stone, um, for the most part, is is doing what he's asked. I still think there are some opportunities that he's missing to make some big plays. There were multiple drops, though, I will say that. Um, by this uh, SMU receiving core that still is looking for some consistency. Um, again, uh, they had eight receivers this game, catch passes, and they don't really have, you know, a guy that can really be relied upon. Um, Jake Bailey is probably the closest thing to that at this point, uh, but right now they don't have that player that is stepping up and, and commanding seven, eight receptions. We've seen some guys like a Jake Bailey here and there, or even a Moochie Dixon here and there, be that guy who commands double-digit targets. It, it, I think it's only happened once for each guy, if that makes sense. So Jake Bailey, I think, against Oklahoma certainly hit that. I think Moochie Dixon against TCU, I think, hit that. Um, and so it, it is something where this offense has to find some consistency in the pass game. I think the walk, not walk off, but the last touchdown for SMU where they were able to drive down the field a little bit and um, wasn't the last drive, but uh, they they got the ball in what they thought was going to be their last drive. They started at the Charlotte 44. Uh, they pick up a first down. They kind of get down closer into that uh, kind of scoring range, and they were able to hit RJ Maryland for a 23 yard touchdown on fourth down. Uh, to make it 34-16, that really capped it. I think that's something where you want to see that. And there are still 
other areas where they need to improve. I think, you know, SMU hasn't been able to, um, you know, they just haven't been able to do everything crisply all season long throughout in, in overall consistency. And I, Prairie View A&M, they kind of did, but they also, you know, Preston Stone also had an interception that game, kind of threw behind Roger Daniels. So there's a lot that this offense has to work on going into the bye week. I do want to say it's not all bad. I mean, their their points for, per play, their points per drive um, is pretty good uh, overall when it comes to this season. So it's not like they aren't an efficient group. It's It just looks so different from last year that I think people are really trying to – people are kind of struggling here and there about it. Um, but it there there's there's pieces to it where SMU needs more out of Preston Stone. You know, he's in the back half of starting quarterbacks in terms of completion percentage. Uh, the run game is showing real signs of being very good. Jalen Knighton looked great. Belton Gardner got a lot of time against Charlotte and was good. Tyler Levine – once again, showed what he can do. And then you get into this passing game. And it's just so much, there's so much inconsistency in terms of what's going on with the production that you are kind of wondering, when is this going to turn? Because SMU goes to East Carolina, they go to Temple, and both teams are not that great um, overall. East Carolina, one in four. Temple sitting at two and three overall, uh, but their wins over Akron um, and uh, Norfolk State. Uh, so just kind of a a team that, you know, gave up 48 points. Tulsa lost 48-26. They got UTSA this coming weekend. They then go on the road at North Texas, and then they welcome SMU to that Friday night game. And they're going to have opportunities to – really show that they can be the class of this conference. But, and maybe this is clearly a change in expectations from before the season where everybody expects SMU to win this league right now, at least in terms of the fan base. They expect them to show how good they are with all this talent in the portal that they've added or returning guys and all these things and Preston Stone all the buzz around him coming into the season. It just doesn't look like a, like a, a truly difference making offense. And for the first time in a long time, SMU is a defensive team. You know, there are, and in today's day and age of college football, and trust me, I watch a lot of LSU, very, very bad defense this year. Um, I have seen a lot of bad defense played throughout SMU's history and my history of covering it at least. And this is a defense that, yeah, you can look at the two drives against Charlotte that they scored in the second half when it was 27 to three, when they were kind of, you know, just able to put together two, I mean, two scoring drives that went 13 and 14 plays and both were over six minutes. So they made them earn every yard. And that's important overall. It's important. For SMU to be able to try to slow down explosive plays. And, and if you look at explosive plays, I look at them as, quite honestly, 20, 20 plus yards. And I don't know what uh, college football, um, I'll try to Google it as I'm talking, but college football scoring or, or explosive plays, 
the definition of it uh, is um, uh, pa passes that go 15 yards and runs that go at least 12 yards. The goal is to try to generate about 16 explosive plays per game. SMU was able to hold Charlotte to nine, and there wasn't there was one explosive passing play in each of the halves. There were some explosive runs in, I mean, the, the Jalen Jones 52-yard keeper, and then it was 10, 12, 18, 10, 10, 10. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, not perfect, but it's certainly a team that is making them earn most of their yardage overall in terms of this particular contest. And I still feel that way about where SMU is from a explosive play perspective for what they want to do uh, defensively. And I think Scott Simon said against TCU, they wanted to give up, you know, they wanted to keep it around six. I could be wrong, um, but I think that was around the number. And I think they gave up seven or eight or something like that. And that might be their own definition of what that is. Like what is an explosive run? It might look different to them, but this defense makes people earn everything they get. And they have all year. I mean, they really have. And, you know, you can look at critical moments against TCU where they gave up a third and long, which is something that's going to keep Scott Simons up at night. You can look at the 90-plus yard touchdown drive that Oklahoma had where Tawi Walker basically took over. You know, those things, like, they happen over the course of a season and they happen over the course of games. But where SMU is as a defense, they are playing so hard. They are playing with so much depth that they're able to really control games for the most part. And this is where the offense has to hold up its end of the bargain. But the kind of flip side of that holding up their end of the bargain is, is that it just hasn't been as pretty as myself, many others thought it would be going into this year. Preston Stone still has some developing to do. He doesn't have everything in order just yet. He's shown flashes. He really has. He's made some unbelievable throws into tight windows or extending plays and doing all of those things. There's still so much more developing for him to do in terms of what they're doing offensively in the passing game. And I think kind of Rhett Lashley talking to him today, he kind of shared some of that in a, in a way. And, and Casey Woods, kind of the same thing where, you know, teams are not allowing SMU to throw it deep. They're not allowing SMU to do that. It's it's a lot of intermediate passes, turn that into a big play. You know, even Keyshawn Smith's back shoulder touchdown that was called back, that was 20-something yards down the field, and then he made a play and broke a tackle and was able to make a big play. When Jordan Curley scored against Prairie View A&M, took a short pass and went, um, you know, 50-something yards they just haven't been able to hit some of these big explosive pass plays. And when they've had opportunities, they've missed them here and there, or they haven't been able to, you know, quite honestly, blow the roof off and go for like a 70, 60 yard type of explosive pass play. So SMU against Charlotte, 20 and 23. Those were the two, quote, explosive big plas uh, passing plays that they had. Um, they also you know, had runs of 15, 12, 23, 12, and then 95. So even Charlotte out gaining them in terms of explosive play uh, 
plays made. Um, and it was a weird game. SMU had a short field. They had uh, very, I mean, they had 10 drives. Uh, they really didn't have that many opportunities. And then as well, you have the 95-yard touchdown uh, run by Jalen Knighton. SMU is just a different looking offense this year. And that's probably the biggest takeaway going into the bye week is how do you take such a different looking offense from what we've seen over the past and turn it into something where, yes, they're different. Their intermediate passing game and short passing game might be what they rely on, but they're really sharp. And Preston Stone take taking a step up to maybe a 60, uh, 65 plus completion completion percentage maybe you hit 70 in some games that would be so important and it would change the entire complexion of this offense quite frankly I mean I I think part of the reason why SMU is struggling offensively is right now there's not a number one receiver that teams have to respect there's Jake Bailey who has been able to pretty much catch everything thrown his way he settles into the zones well um, he had a couple. He had uh, one really nice. Actually, might have had two. They might have had, given him credit for two. Um, two, uh, yes, uh, no, just one. Uh, he had a twenty-yard reception, which was on third and seventeen. He broke a couple tackles. Those are the type of plays that uh, Jake Bailey is really starting to make and make at a high level when he's given opportunities. And so, for SMU, they have to continue to find ways to hit those. And if that's what the offense is going to be. Because if you can hit those at a higher clip than they they currently are right now, they're going to make opposing defenses have to change what they do a little bit defensively. Otherwise, it's just going to be curl, uh, dig route, those types of opportunities for receivers. And they're going to pick up 10, 12, 15 yards each passing play. Those are things that are going to force you to change from a drop eight where they're keeping everything way in front of them and they're so scared over, you know, getting beat over the top. Uh, I think SMU's really one off the top of my head shot down the field was uh, to Jordan Curley and he was not able to, to reel it in. He, um, that was a play where his head really hit off the turf really, really hard. So we'll have to keep an eye on Jordan Curley overall. Um, but when you look at Preston Stone's uh, location chart, um, middle of the field, five to 14 yards. He was three for four in the middle for 40 yards. Uh, he was over one on the left. Uh, and then middle right, uh, he was uh, two for four. And then um, the deep passing plays, over two, over one, one for three. Um, so not hitting deep, deeper than 15 yards. So that's something where that's somewhat concerning. And in fact, went one of six overall passing the ball down the field in terms of passes that travel 15 yards in the air. Um, We know that Jake Bailey caught one that he turned into a 20-yard reception that was more in the middle of the field in that mid-range passing game. Um, But, uh, you know, for SMU, they they have to find, find ways to maybe just get a little bit more explosive passing plays out of, out of this offense. Um, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how teams have really started to hone in over the last, what I would say probably year on this SMU team is, is if you drop eight, it's just really hard. It's really hard on this team to execute and, and pick passing lanes. So um, 
the offense, I'll close with this. I, I feel like the offensive line might be the best position on the offense currently. I, re- I really think even with the loss of Justin Osborne, they've had other guys nicked up here and there. We saw Ben Sparks get hurt. We saw Logan Parr get hurt here and there. They've been able to really be good. And I know there were moments where Preston Stone got some pressure against Charlotte. They've got some guys that have been at the Power 5 level and were really high-level recruits and athletes overall coming off the edge. But overall, they're really starting to be able to handle the run game overall. And now you've seen the running backs settle into their tracks a little bit more. That's why they've hit the big one with with Jalen Knighton. Belton Gardner had some really nice runs. This is a run game that is really starting to get some positivity flowing in it and some production at the same time. So, again, be keeping an eye out here. Uh, This is an offense that could very well turn into this true kind of ground and pound, maybe a little bit more possession style of offense. They want to go fast. They want to tempo, trust me. But if you're an offense that is running the ball as well as they are, tempoing that defense, not allowing them to, to substitute, that's one way to do it. There's also the way where SMU can really make sure its defense is fresh. They can keep the pressure on by being up at the line of scrimmage. They can do all those different things. And then they can work that intermediate passing game Maybe it's freed up a little bit more as play action is more respected overall. And and uh, and and Preston Stone can maybe find a little bit more of a rhythm. This run game could only get better, and it's in part because of this offensive line playing really well. And I felt like overall, SMU against Oklahoma, SMU against TCU, the two big challenges, Preston Stone had all day. So this is an offensive line that Garen Justice, you've got to give him a lot of credit for how he's been able to work with that group and put them together. So um, we will cover kind of some goals for the bye week here in just a second. But first, I tell you guys about our friends at BigGameUSA.com. If you want the official game ball of SMU football, head to BigGameUSA.com. This is the ball that Preston Stone and the quarterbacks designed for SMU this year. You can get it and get 10% off. And free shipping with promo code BE on three. That's the letter B, the letter E, the letter O, the letter N, the number three for 10% off your order plus free shipping. Had a bunch of people tell me they got their football. Great to get signed by the players if you're out there on the boulevard or just toss it around the boulevard and people can talk about, hey, it's a really nice official game ball. Yeah, it's the official one. That's why it's cool. So check them out, biggameusa.com. For the bye week for SMU, they do have a lot to get accomplished. One, we talked about some of the injuries earlier. They do have to get healthy. And even Elijah Roberts, the defensive end for SMU, did get nicked up a little bit. And it's it's kind of one of those things where you're in the bye week. We were out of practice Tuesday, Wednesday. You've got some guys that are sitting out, some guy that work out, have practice, and then they you know get told to pop the pads and kind of relax um, to, so that they aren't you know going through. Um, you know, these really hard practices over bye week, they get their legs back. This is just kind of how it goes nowadays during the bye week. We saw the younger guys get a lot more reps um, during practice as well. Uh, you know, pieces of the future like Keldrick Luster at quarterback and Adam Moore at tight end, uh, Trip Reardon, Jamarian Carroll, Jack, uh, uh, Jackson Lavender. Um, all sorts of guys are getting more and more reps this week just to kind of, again, give them an opportunity midseason to work on their craft a little bit. Um, but one thing SME needs to do is certainly get healthy. 
that's going to be critical. You do have a short week coming up against East Carolina. It's not a traditional bye week, which, look, that is kind of going to – I mean, it's probably going to change. I'd have to really go look at the ACC schedule. But this is – they're going into a league in all likelihood that is going to be very much Saturday bye, you know, then you play the next Saturday. Uh, Rhett Lashley mentioned that, you know, they really haven't had a traditional bye, um, you know, too much on this schedule uh, or last year, and and they didn't have a traditional bye this year. Um, so this is one of those things where SMU is really going to have to, you know, hone in overall. Um, last year, they did not have a bye during conference play. Uh, they went, you know, I guess, eight straight weeks um, they had the buy after the TCU game. Um, and, and this year they play one conference game and then they get the buy. So they've got to go seven straight games. I know it's not, you know, it's what guys sign up for. I mean, even if you put the buy in the middle, I mean, it's not that big of a difference, but either way, you're not getting that full bye week. I do like that when you have two road games, Thursday night against East Carolina, the Friday night against Temple on October 20th, they are going to be able to have the bye week, get a little, you know, prep in. I think maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday, if they, if they do. If, I don't know what their practice schedule is, but then they can get into Sunday starting their traditional week. Then you get that extra two days off from a conference game. You get a little bit of time, and then you can go get back at it and work it for Temple on that Friday night, another short week. So it is going to be something where they kind of almost ease into conference play a little bit. Remember, they get to play one, they got to win. Now you move on, get a bye. You kind of have weird setups. And then you have another long week uh, when preparing for um, SMU versus Tulsa uh, homecoming at the end of October. So that's also the next time that SMU will be back in Ford Stadium. So it'll be a full basically month uh, before you see them play uh, in Dallas again. So uh, getting healthy, very important. Uh, I like the way it's kind of spread out in a a weird way uh, for this first half of the seven game stretch that they have to face. And then I think defensively, you have so many players that are kind of nicked up, going through this, going through that. They're going to sit out. But it is a good opportunity to really sit down with these guys and work through what they can do to be better in terms of just tackling, in terms of being in position. There were a couple moments against Charlotte where they definitely lost contain that allowed those some of those bigger running plays to happen, um, and and even some of the, the the shorter passing get you know plays to turn into bigger gains. So. This week, good opportunity to kind of hone back in on yourself, do some self-scouting, and see what you can make happen um, for for this one uh, or for the seven-game stretch coming up because this is really the last time you're going to get to address a lot of these issues um, that they've had. They're still not perfect by any means in terms of tackling, but with the way they're able to execute against Charlotte, a team that wasn't bad athletically, um, and and just talking with multiple players after the game, I mean, they were a team that you could tell – you know, Bip Poji, that whole crew addressed it in the right way. Just from an overall athletic perspective, bringing the guys they brought in. Um, but SMU was able to control that game. As you get deeper into conference play, 
I think it's going to be a schedule that, you know, East Carolina, one and four. That's their record. That's what stands out. But they've lost to some decent teams. They're certainly a team that has played really well at home through the years. They've got one of the best home atmospheres. Honestly, I mean, they probably have the best at-home atmosphere in the current AAC. They might have been right there with UCF um, or Cincinnati. It's just a really tough place to play. you got to you know, fly into a smaller airport in a way if you're flying direct into Greenville. Um, then you have this fan base that just they show up for ECU football. So I'm excited to be there. We're going to have your full coverage on theponyexpress.com. I cover SMU there for the On3 network. So part of the Dave Campbell's podcast network, but that's where you can find our full coverage of SMU football. They uh, lost to Michigan to open up the season. Uh, they lost to Marshall uh, the next week, 31-13. They then lost to App State, 43-28. They beat Gardner-Webb, 44 to nothing, And then they lost to Rice, 24-17. Um, a, a Rice team that certainly playing well um, or better than, than expected, um, without a doubt, um, this season. So they have some fight in them. They have athletes. They always have athletes. They always manage to find a way to have that. Um, but this is going to be a really good test for SMU because at the end of the day, this is a one in four East Carolina team. And they are dealing with a bunch of change, you know, new quarterback, all sorts of things going on. But can you go on the road? And SMU hasn't won on the road this year. Obviously, Oklahoma and TCU, very tough tests, but hasn't won on the road this year. Can you go on the road, handle your business in a tough atmosphere against a team that kind of has had not SMU's number by any means, but they have not, you know, made it easy on them ever when it comes to this matchup. In fact, ECU leads it 5-4 overall, um, and SMU did grab the last win uh, in their last meeting in 2020, 52-38, when Sonny Dykes was back at the helm, um, and it was a 59-51 shootout the year prior in 2019. So um, the last time SMU's won in Greenville uh, was 2016, 55-31, when Chad Morris and Scotty Montgomery were at the helm. So um, it has been a tough matchup for SMU through the years, and particularly in Greenville. So there's going to have to be this. They don't need a players only meeting. So don't like, I'm not trying to say that, but they need to all be on the same page. This is a seven game stretch where defense that that's the calling card of this team right now. Can you be a physical defensive team? Go in there and impose your will offense. Can you be a physical running team and impose your will and break them? Because this is a, this is a ECU team that they're going to face that does play hard, that does do all those things that, you know, good football teams do. They just really haven't been able to, they, they've had a tough schedule, quite frankly, and they had a lot of change. But this is exactly the type of team that SMU has to be really focused and ready for. But if SMU can go out and get their first road win, say a lot about just the focus level of this team what they can accomplish regardless of the record of what ECU has. And to do that, they're going to have to continue to clean up some of their passing game and really not simplify things by any means, but because the whole playbook is very much available, we saw SMU bring bring back the jet flip play 
that they didn't run against TCU, which hadn't really worked all season. Roger Daniels takes it and is able to go for a touchdown. That's good stuff that you want to build off of. I know it's not a pass pass per se, but those are the types of things that the entire playbook has. In the passing game, what is it that through five games makes Preston Stone feel real good dropping back to pass? And I would rather them find that and figure out a way to roll with that. That would solve a lot of the things that I think Preston is dealing with from just maybe being a step behind processing wise or maybe not loving the look and and trying to do too much. He does a good job of throwing the ball away, so I'm not trying to say he's forcing balls, but there are plays that clearly he is more comfortable in than others. So Preston Stone is not approaching problem status by any means. He is in a position where through five games, you've seen him do some really good things. You've seen him almost not go out and win a game for SMU, if that makes sense, right? Like he has not gone out and thrown kind of truly backbreaking interceptions, you know, against TCU, they were trying to come back. There was, you know, the game was kind of out of hand in a way. They still had a chance, but it was, they were on life support at that point. But where Preston Stone hasn't done it just yet is he hasn't gone out and, oh, wow, SMU gets the matchup down the field at Oklahoma. There it is, Roger Daniels, overthrow. Um, Against TCU, probably supposed to hand that off on the zone read. Tyler Veen maybe gets a first down. Maybe it's just a shorter fourth down play. Maybe he scores a touchdown. He keeps it for whatever reason and is tackled for a one-yard loss. SMU kicks a field goal. There are there were opportunities for SMU to be much more than it is offensively right now, and he just hasn't taken them. So we'll see if in the back half now of this season, as they play out this seven-game stretch, and quite honestly, against a group that, I mean, I think they're heavily, heavily favored um, by the ESPN FB, FPI to win all of these games. I think the one that people uh, have it as like a 50 to 60% range toward SMU still is Memphis. Um, but certainly a game that is always tough between SMU and Memphis on the road at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, but other than that, you have a UNT defense that is at the bottom of the country defensively. Um, you have uh, a a Navy team that is really kind of struggling, but, you know, again, always plays hard. At least you're playing that one at home. Um, you know, Navy is one in three overall. They got blown out by Notre Dame in Ireland. Uh, they beat Wagner 24 to nothing. They lost to Memphis, played them tough 28-24. Then they lost to South Florida um, 44-30 at home. Um, and a South Florida team that's three and two right now. So, there's a lot of opportunities on the back half of the schedule for Preston Stone to to really make a mark and really take this team to the height of a conference championship game. And figuring out what the best path is for that to happen for SMU is paramount with this bye week. You're going to have matchups week in, week out, but you're also going to have to try to figure out what is truly best for this passing game and how to get the most out of it because right now you haven't. So 
Uh, I would say cleaning up tackles defensively, cleaning up positioning defensively. Those are some things that are on the table for that group. Um, you'd like to see them force more turnovers, but they did just break through that with the C.J. Sanders interception against Charlotte. Offensively, you want to see them get healthy, and you want to see the passing game either simplified or boiled down to a little bit more of what Preston is more comfortable with so that he can execute at a little bit higher level, which will make all the difference in terms of efficiency overall for this offense so that they can hit on all cylinders and then the run game can certainly be a huge factor and complement all of that well. So um, with that, guys, SMU does take on East Carolina October 12th, 6.30 p.m. Central on ESPN over there in Greenville. We'll have your full coverage at ontheponyexpress.com. We'll be back next week to preview the game and talk a little bit about where things stand after uh, this bye week has taken place. Um, SMU basketball did release its full schedule, um, both men's and women's, uh, this uh, past week as well. So we'll get into some more basketball talk on the podcast as well for you folks um, as we get to see the Mustangs more and more in practice. So with that, guys, Hope you guys enjoyed this State of Dallas podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Please subscribe to the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube, uh, the Republic of Football, Spotify, Apple, wherever you catch your podcast. We'll catch you next week with another edition of the State of Dallas podcast.